Euro series, our special series to fill in a thistleless summer. Joining me for this group are David Forrest. David, hello, how are you? Hello, um, I'm great. It's the start of the Euros. I've got my sticker book, the lot. Um, yeah, great. It's very exciting. Mark Wallace is here. Mark, how are you, other than excited? Yeah, buzzing. Like, can't wait to go to the pub and watch the game. Don't have my sticker book, though. I feel like I'm missing out there. Uh, Mark, while, while we're talking to you, do you want to apologise for your absence on Group A? I, um, yeah. The less said about that, the better. For shame. <laughs> and also joining us is Rhys Jenkins. Rhys, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Bit, bit rough sounding, but don't think that'll be getting any better over the next couple of weeks. I hope not. I hope not. So, like the first episode, which for Group A, we have four Thistle players to talk about, and then we'll pick our group winners, and then we'll put it over to you on Twitter to vote for them. Group A was between four goalkeepers. Johnny Tuffy won Group A, and Torsten Stutman qualified in second place. So, we'll start today. We have a Scottish representative, a Belgian representative, a Northern Irish representative, and a Polish representative. So, we'll start with the Scotland, because he's in the Scotland squad. He made 138 appearances for Thistle, which is the most he's made for any club during his career. It's Stephen O'Donnell. Mark, I'll come to you on O'Donnell first. What are your your memories of him? (laughs) Oh, God, I loved loved Stephen O'Donnell at Thistle. Uh, One of the most exciting players I can recall in in my 15-odd years of going to games. Just would love to watch him on the right-hand side down the Jackie Husband stand side. Just him just breezing past people. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. Always felt that this was where he was going to end up, but for whatever reason, it just he just kind of took the scenic route to getting there. But yeah, like that that chip against Infermline in the five-one game, probably one of my favourite ever Thistle goals. And then you obviously get the done the United one, which which is probably going to be the more sort of noticeable one for the just how good the counter attack was in the play between him and Lyle Taylor. It's the Dunfermline goal for me every time. That's my favourite Donald memory. This so it's ah oh, we were we were phenomenal that day and the goals we scored were sensational. And that for me just eclipses just encapsulates a Donald for me just a sensational sensational player. Be spot your memories of him. Echoing that as well, just remember him and uh, Aaron Taylor Sinclair in the promotion season, just ripping it up down the down the wings and from fullback, and uh, that's the kind of football you like to see, isn't it? Attacking fullbacks joining joining up. Um, he's probably the most exciting uh, fullback we've had, and I think I'm not I'm not going to say I, I don't think I did think he'd make it as far as he's come, but um, it's just great to see ex ex Thistle and Scotland squads, isn't it? It's, um, We've got a bit of a weird, a weird, a weird contingent at the moment. We've got, we've got him and this, but who, to be fair to Donald, 
he did a lot more in a thistle shirt than Nisbet did. So, yeah, I've got great memories of O'Donnell, to be honest. Good Jack Henry as well. Goal scorer against the Nettles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite a strange three. All had very different careers at Thistle. Uh, David, what, what did, do you remember of O'Donnell? Yeah, I, I remember him just being a mercurial member of that sort of promotion team in the, the, the first season up. I was more the first season up was the, the season I really got into it. And I remember Stephen O'Donnell just being fantastic. Um, again, him and ATS working together were just a joy to watch. Um, my two favourite moments of Stephen O'Donnell, obviously, we mentioned the Dundee United goal, uh, the infamous Barca-style goal um, that we played with. It's an incredible counter-attack. But I also uh, loved it when he was in view from the terrace and he made fairy kicks. That was a fantastic segment. Looking at like, his, his progression from Thistle, he, he really became a huge part of that, that Kelly side and it was doing so well um, a couple of years ago under Steve Clark. And when he came in, I think it maybe raised a wee bit of eyebrows for people. Um, obviously, him bringing in a player from his ex-team or whatever, but I think every Thistle fan knew why and totally understood it. And yeah, he's been, he's been fantastic uh, at Thistle, fantastic at Kelly, great for Scotland, and just, yeah, absolutely love the guy. I think it's similar with all the guys from that team you saw. All of them, like Lawless, Erskine, O'Donnell, Taylor Sinclair, they all come back for Dylan's testimonial. And I think that group of players are so highly regarded at Firhill and will be for a long time. And it's a lot of it is down to what they were like as players, but I think a lot of it's down to what they were like off the pitch as well. I just want to ask you one question before we move on. O'Donnell or Patterson, who are we all starting at right back on Monday? O'Donnell. I mean, I, I totally get the clamour for Patterson. I really do. Uh, I think we need to go with what sort of brought us here, and that's not us. That's not a slight on Parson at all. I just feel like we need to. I don't think we should be getting too carried away and experimenting with Parson. As good as he is, and I think he is going to be Scotland's number one right back. I just feel like having a Donald there, just get that first game, second game, see how it goes. Because Clark will want to balance that familiarity over uh, the talent that we've got at our disposal. That's just the way I think Clark uh, does things. So, yeah, I think it'll be O'Donnell for me. I think I'm with you, Mark. I think I would play O'Donnell. I think Patterson (laughs) did look really encouraging going forward uh, in the 45-minute cameo we saw him the other night. I think going back the way, he maybe wasn't as strong as... Not that O'Donnell's the strongest like Parsons defender. Parsons not played many games, Matt. Yeah. Obviously, I'm aware of his prodigious talent and stuff like that, and I don't want to like, try to balance between, obviously, yes, a thistle pod, and we're talking about Stephen O'Donnell here. Far from it. It's just a case of... Parsons played a handful of games for Rangers. Ah, he's been good, but it's a gamble taking a young guy like that at any time. And I just feel that like we shouldn't take the risk we... A good chance of going through, like if we can get a win, we've stood in good stead of going through. And I just don't want, because the last thing I want is for Patterson to play and then he makes a mistake, gets castigated, because he's already been in the spotlight for bad reasons already. And then all of the, the, the COVID stuff starts again. You're just like, just hanging out a young guy to dry when he could they could have he could have played a Donald or whatever. The last thing you want is for Parson to become a pariah after the 
sort of tumultuous start to his professional career that he's had? I think for me, the, the other point I was going to make, um, we've got two really exciting young players in the squad and Patterson's one of them, but Gilmore's the other. And I think it's fairly unlikely Clark's going to start both of them. And I think if he is going to start one of them, I think I'd rather it be Gilmore. And I don't think it's a case of Patterson would be hung out to dry if he, he didn't play well. I think off the bench, if we're chasing a game and want to stay in the same shape, Patterson would be a really positive attacking substitution, just like for like with O'Donnell, I think. But from the start, I think I, I agree with you, Mark. I'd go O'Donnell. Um, we'll move on to our next player. It's a Belgian representative. He played 44 times for Partick Thistle, scoring three goals across two seasons. It's friend of the podcast, Freddie Franz. And David, I'll start this one with you. What are your memories of the, the big Belgian defender? Um, oh, I mean, we say friend of the podcast. I think he's friend of everybody. Like, he just, like, it, it was, I, I, again, he was part of that sort of first couple of years uh, when we get promoted up to the Premiership where I really fell in love with Thistle. And, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely loved him. Um, obviously, he scored the goal at Ross County, which is fantastic. But just even... Everything that he, every time you see him, like ever since he's left Thistle, you always just love him more. Whether it's you know um, completely ethering Joey Barton at the last Euros by saying that Stevie Wallace is going to Cruyff turn him whenever Thistle play Rangers, or even just him buying a tile uh, for how to help us out uh, during the pandemic stuff like that. He just seems like. He he just seems like the loveliest guy. He was a fantastic player. He loves Scotland and he loves Thistle. It just, yeah, I, I could could never say a bad word against the guy. He's he's fucking fantastic. Reese. Yeah, exactly. David saying there, like I think he's such he's just such a good guy. Like I think I'm friends with him on Facebook. Like like I don't know why that's happened, but um, he's just I think we we love a we love an ex player coming back at Thistle, and I think. Of, of all of them, he's up there with, with the people I'd like to see back at some point because um, just a proper good guy and he's a good player. Like Obviously, it's a bit stupid for this you know, main memory from my centre-back, but that goal against Ross County was just unbelievable as well. So that, but when I knew we were doing this pod, that's the first thing that came to my mind. So, yeah, just a, I've got really good, fond memories in, in that kind of that period and in, uh, in that team. So, yeah. Mark, it's been rumoured for a not maybe in the last year, 18 months, but I think just after we get relegated, it was rumoured Franz was going to make a return. Are you sad that he didn't? Desperately sad, because one of the biggest things for us, certainly in that 18 months after we got relegated, was how terrible we were defensively. And Freddie, he wasn't perfect. Like Not a lot of guys who play for teams our size are, but he was just such a... A reassuring appearance, a presence at the back for us, and I would have loved them back for how I see he's now back in Belgium, and actually it was voted in the top five statistically best defenders in the Belgian top flight uh, this season, uh, a list that was topped by Jack Hendry. So there's still that. It's, it's, it's abundantly clear that I don't think we're ever getting them back, but. Oh man, sorely missed. We'll move on to our third representative on the list. He is a goalkeeper who we couldn't quite fit into the last podcast. He has been capped several times by Northern Ireland. He made 15 appearances for Thistle and like Stephen O'Donnell, that's the most for any club in his career. It is Connor Hazard. 
David, I'll come to you first on Connor Hazard. Your memories of him? I really, I really liked him as a keeper with ourselves. I thought for a young keeper, he was great. Um, and it was he came in that year where we had I think five keepers in the books, four at the very least. Tim, Sned and Bell and Aaron Lennox and I think in that season Hazard was absolutely the best keeper that we had that season and I, I just felt, I felt safe having him in the in the sticks you know you, you didn't feel like it was a total bomb scare not that I'm saying that I feel like Sned is or anything but I felt that I felt confident with Hazard um, in goals more than I have any other keeper the possible exception of Wright and even then I think with that, I, I really liked Hazard as a keeper and I wish we'd kept him. Obviously, he went on to play for Celtic. He, he won the Scottish Cup. He played in the final for Celtic. Penalty shootout heroics. And yeah, I just think he, he was a great keeper and I think that he, he's, he's, he's underappreciated. Um, I know it wasn't the best season or anything like that, but I think he done really well. I think you maybe are in the minority there, David. And I think I'm probably leaning slightly towards you rather than the Thistle fan base as a whole. I'm interested to hear what the other the other guys think. I think he was quite harshly treated, and I think you sometimes do get that with old firm loanees. He made some great saves. He did have some dodgy moments, but for a young goalkeeper to come into a side that I think we've maybe won one in 11 games under Gary Caldwell when he came in, and him coming into the side did kickstart a sort of upturn in form in, in the winter under Gary Caldwell, and I think... If it, I think he was ill for one of the games and Sneddon got his place back uh, just before the end of the season. But I think if he wasn't ill, it would have been our goalkeeper for the duration. And like you said, David, I think he's one of the better goalkeepers we've had in recent years. I certainly don't think he was bad or as bad as some Thistle fans has painted, have painted him. We shall come to you for your thoughts and memories on Hazard. I think keepers have been a weird one for us for the last few years because... For the kind of time we've we've had Sneddon is sort of like he's not he's not really been first choice, but he sort of ha, sort of has been. It's like we seem to keep signing keepers to compete with them, and um, and I think that Hazard's one of these where it's like you don't you don't really you get you get a run of games, but then you're maybe out of the team and you don't play for a few games. And as a keeper, I think it, confidence is so important. I think it's I don't know. I think he was I think he was a decent keeper for us, and he's probably better than some of the other ones we've had. But um, it's just there's no forgiveness for a keeper. Like literally one one mistake and most of the fans will remember you for for like for for bad reasons rather than any of the good you did. So I've got fairly fairly good memories of him. And then I, I, I was quite surprised though to see him kind of getting minutes for Celtic last season. But I guess their season was a uh, an absolute car crash and um, maybe kind of symbolic of that. I think what didn't help Hazard was he had his worst game in the cup quarter final at Tynecastle, and that was arguably. The biggest game of that season until the Queen of the South game, and that was his worst game. And if you're going to have your worst game, don't have it in a quarterfinal replay, which was a shame for him. The other thing I forgot to mention, I remember he was involved in a bizarre incident at East Fife where Stuart Bannigan passed him the ball back. I think this was in the Scottish Cup as well. And he cleared it, and the wind, it, it must have went 30 or 40 yards up the pitch, and then the wind blew it back and it bounced, and he picked it up. And he was penalised with an indirect free kick against him for a pass back because obviously nobody else has touched it since Banzo, Banzo passed it back to him. Mark, what are your memories of Hazard? I can only echo what uh, sort of what David said. I thought he was actually quite good. You get loanies from Celtic Rangers again, something you mentioned, and they're either going to be very, very good or it's guys who aren't going to make it. 
it's, there's no in between. It's either the last chance saloon or they're going to be somebody like, take for instance, Lewis Mayo, who's quite clearly very, very good. We got him for a short spell, he was apparently quite good at Dunfermline last season. But yeah, Connor Hazard, I quite liked him. Yeah, he had a bit of a nightmare in that uh, Hearts quarter final. And then he showed the sublime and the ridiculous for Celtic against Hearts in the Scottish Cup final. Came through that with a big performance in the shootout to win them the cup. I don't think he's going to be a, a long-termer at Celtic, but I think he's going to be a very good uh, premiership goalkeeper for, for for a decent side as well. I think he can easily eke out a living at a decent premiership side and perhaps even down south at championship level, that type of thing for sure. I think he's definitely much maligned, but I think there's something there for him for sure. Yep, I agree. We'll move on to our last player on the list. It was a short state for Hill for this for this player. He is of Polish descent and he has stated that if it came down to it, he would pick Poland as the country would like to represent. It is Ziggy Gordon, who made 19 appearances in 2016 for the club, picking up six yellow cards, saying that the club was a stepping stone for him before going back to Hamilton Mackies and not doing too much else. But, uh, Reese, I'll start with you on Ziggy Gordon. What are your memories of him? Not a whole load, to be honest. I mean, I just kind of remember him being a fairly steady player. I don't... Don't know if that's even if, if I'm terribly right there, but I just seem to remember him not being all that exciting, all that fancy. Just kind of he sort of just did his job. Don't know if that is that something you guys would agree with. I am um, I I generally don't dislike Thistle players, right? So uh, my my philosophy is if you played for the team, regardless of how shite you are, you you will have made some sort of contribution to the team. Uh, respect that and you know so like, if you played for Fissel I'm generally ambivalent regardless of your quality I'm, uh, I'm alright however this is going really ominously I I, I, I am generally quite chill uh, Fissel games but for some reason Ziggy Gordon it's every time I've seen him he just annoyed me Right, he just re- every time I see him, he just, he just seemed to be to have a, a poor performance, and it just wound me up every time. And it's not even the stepping stone thing, because I think we have to accept the fact that we are probably a stepping stone for a lot of players to a better club, and that's fine, right? If you can cut the mustard of a fuzz and get your move, then you clearly done something for us. That's fine. I don't know what it was with Ziggy Gordon, but every time he played, and I'd be sitting in the north stand, and it just it just annoyed me. It just wasn't that good, and it, it pissed me off for some strange reason. Yeah, like um, I just every time I think of Ziggy Gordon, I just I just think of me on, in the North Stand, just raging for for some reason at him doing some poor pass or something. So um, I I don't think he's going through for me. Put it that way. No, he had. It was that. Time in the defence with the right-hand side of the back four was Ziggy Gordon and Danny Devine. And we seem to be conceding goals down that side every week. And it showed up a wee bit when Elliot came into the side there and Dumbaya came back into the side there. Um, And obviously we had the emergence of Liam Lindsay and Adam Bartman into the back three and that really showed up. 
Can I add to that actually? Because I said yep. steady, but I kind of by that I just meant a bit boring and not necessarily that steady. <laughs> I think she's like I a right back sort of that's not actually going to contribute much going forward, and you don't really notice them so much. So you, apart from the fact that they're maybe getting mistaken them, so yeah, maybe, maybe maybe my choice of words wasn't great, but I think it's more just that he didn't really make much of an impression on me, rather than that he was actually very secure. I think that I you think... mentioned that he played with Devine is a key point as to why he pissed me off. Because Devine was the other player that annoyed me, and I think it was just the two of them combined. He just ripped my knitting every week because we were conceding goals. So that makes sense. If it him and Devine together, it was oh, it was not not great. No, it was a poor half of the defence. That I think sometimes for players who spend so long at a club, when they move away from that club, it can be hard for them to adjust. And maybe he had that because he'd spent so long at Hamilton, and it wasn't maybe like a move up for him or it wasn't a move abroad for him it was just a move to another club but it was different and he couldn't just adjust I don't know if there's anything to that but that could have been a contributing factor but no I think certainly a forgettable spell Mark what do you remember as Iggy Gordon? Yeah um, I thought it was one of the, I thought it was quite a smart signing because you think right we want to be weakening the teams around us we want to strengthen our position in this division Getting somebody like Ziggy Gordon who's done very well for Hamonakis, it's not not too much of a reach. It's, it's you're ideally weakening a rival and strengthening yourself, so that's that's always good. Uh, it, it wasn't very good. It wasn't. I don't even think it was that terrible, but like you know that way you just expect more for what you're getting, and like it just didn't happen at all. Although my favourite Ziggy Gordon moment wasn't. Uh, anything when he was playing it was actually when he left and he moved on to Jagalone Bialystok in Poland and um, Hamilton Aki's decided for some reason I have no idea uh, to put out a statement uh, on Ziggy Gordon leaving Thistle for Jagalone Bialystok uh, about the fact that they had it had uh, put a bid in for Ziggy Gordon last January, but they rejected it, and then dec- then made this statement a year later, announcing that he'd signed for Jagalonia, even though he wasn't their player. It was really really weird. It was like massive um, finding out your missus, your ex has got a new man, and then going down the pub, having ten pints, and then posting about it on Facebook later the same night. Serious, like really, really weird vibes about what they did that day. It was, it was proper. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you? Do should... you know? Like, eventually, he did resign for Aki's, but like, I remember that very, very clearly. It was like, what? Mark, what's the thing that you most regret ever posting on Facebook? Don't, don't ask him that. I, it just means I need to cut it. <laughs> Um, do you know what I made the conscientious decision a wee while ago uh, of a that's a shame I'll come round you to find out who your group winners are going to be and who's going to go through as a runner up so Reese, I'll start with you who's winning this group oh uh, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Stephen O'Donnell, even though I do love Freddie Franz, and Freddie Franz is going to be our runner-up. Um, 
yeah, Donald's contribution and um, over again promoted and in the early years of the uh, Premiership. Yeah, it's got to be him. But then my personal personal favourite, Freddie Franz, gets a runner up spot. Mark. Yeah, I'm a Donald number one, Franz number two for me. I think we might have a clean sweep here, David. I was I was going to say Franz just to kind of spice up a bit, but my heart of hearts, I've literally we're talking about a guy who's literally going to represent us at the Euros next week. I can't not have him as number one. Andy makes a good fairy cake. A very valid Shout point. Shout out by David. the way to Graham Thulis who done that uh, bacon segment with. Uh, with sods on a view for the terrace, by the way. I'm sure as a Motherwell fan, he'll be tuning in for this. But I'm going to make it a full house. So O'Donnell going through his group winner, Franz is runner-up. The group winners and runner-up will be decided by you on a Twitter poll when this episode is released. David and Mark had a chat about how the Thistle women's team got on and their return to action this week. Our um, weekly roundup of the women's fixtures in SWPL2. Um, I'm joined by Matt Wallace here for this. Um, hello, Matt. How are you? I'm good, David. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, so, Fistles women's team resumed action after a several month layoff with two games this week. The first one was a Sunday against Burnmere Fistle. Um, again, it was at Lockburn Park in Mary Hill, because that's where they're going to be playing their games for the rest of the season. Mark, your thoughts on the, the Burnmere game, first of all? Yeah, I watched, watched the highlights back of this. I thought um, Burnmere started the better side. They were, they put us under early pressure, and that's always a concern. Like when, very similar sort of situation to the men's team, when, you have a, when you've got a layoff and immediately you're on the back foot, because like, we had that very difficult game with Cove at the very start of everything. So I think the situations are probably similar for the women as well, because obviously you've got three guys who played uh, for the men in that time, and you're going to be wondering how getting through that sort of helps them get the initial rust off. And like It started quite, not badly, but Burramuir put us under early pressure, and then lovely wee bit of counter-attacking for the first goal, Dockery with a really nice goal, and then we get the second... Uh, the penalty, I don't think you can have any real complaints about the penalty. It's one of those that, even in the men's game, you'd be really annoyed if you didn't have that given. If you didn't have that given, and I don't think you can complain too much if it was given against. But generally, looked quite good, considering starting slowly after a long layoff. Disappointing, maybe not to keep a clean sheet. The defending for the Boromir goal could have been a bit better, but. Can't really complain getting a win under our, under my belt right off the bat after what's been such a long layoff and it's been difficult for the girls, as uh, Brian Graham said in his interview after the game. Yeah, I mean, he, he went on to talk about the sort of preparations um, for the game. I mean, they'd had, I believe it was one training session and a bounce game and they had to play an under-17s men's team because there was no one else that they could play. I mean, um, yeah, like they were really up against it in terms of resuming training. I mean, an example, I went to the 
Hamilton Aki's Queen's Park game. It was on the same day. Um, in Queen's Park, like I, Campbell, who was on last week to talk about the women's game, I'd mentioned to him that I was going just because I lived down the road from it. Um, and it, it no, it's not too far, and uh, um, uh-huh. obviously could go to the festival game. And um, he said to me, he says, "Why not even go ahead? Because Queen's Park were vociferously advocating for them to cancel it and or re, or postpone it and reschedule it because they hadn't done any training. They they had they had done nothing. They they couldn't train together. They hadn't played any bounce games whatsoever." And they were actually just thrown into the deep end. And it was because, obviously, they were in the Glasgow area. And, um, sorry, for Fissel, Queen's Park and Glasgow Girls, that was the same situation for all of them. And, yeah, for them to come round and do that, for them to come round and get that win was a great boon for them, especially bearing in mind that they had no training and it was very difficult. And Wednesday we played uh, St. Johnson, another 3-1 win in St. Johnson, where four points behind... Hamilton, Ackies, Dundee United, and ourselves. Um, so the, the, it was a case that was very much laying down a marker because you don't want to make it a four-way race for one spot um, there. So definitely it was it was good to get a win under our belts and a, a, a very good win. Um, first goal was quite comical. Um, a defender and goalkeeper malfunction at the junction, clattering into each other. And then the Fissile player just swoops in out of nowhere yeah. and grabs the ball and taps it in. It was... It was quite wild. Yeah, it's one of those goals, really. It's like you'll get idiots uh, uh, using that to try as a stick to beat women's football with. And I don't really want to dwell on it too much. It's one of those that, like, until women's football gets the adequate coaching that it deserves, uh, you're going to see moments like that. And it it will disappear with the appropriate coaching being uh, there for women in, in football uh, so yeah don't really want to dwell on that first goal too much although I did think we defended poorly ourselves for the equaliser the, the the last season number three for St Johnston was unmarked uh, for a, a free header for the equaliser um, after doing I suppose you can see St Johnston regroup really well after losing that poor goal and immediately equalised but we responded really well uh, I think five minutes between their goal and our second. Uh, really mm-hmm. good uh, workout wide uh, from a set piece and a nice finish. Uh, possible St Johnston penalty claim. Uh, after the second goal, the highlights didn't quite catch it, but like it looked like it, one of those that could have been something. Yeah, a very good goal uh, to finish it uh, for the third. Don't really want to be comparing it too much to men's football, but like you can clearly see the roles that the that the players in the men's team who are managing the women's team, the, women, the, men, the women's management team of Brian Graham, eh, Ricky Foster, and Ross Docherty are doing because you can see there's traits of them all over the park in the way they play the game. The fullbacks are really solid; they're technically quite good. They can get up and down quite well. They can create from out wide. Eh, there's a tidiness in passing neatness in passing in the middle and we're obviously scoring a lot of goals so you can clearly see what the what these guys are doing and what the roles they're doing is try to implement how they play the game on the women and it's working together very well uh, actually between the three of them it's uh, something I think that could do is in good stead especially you've got a guy like Ricky Foster who's a very clever guy and clearly wants to advance himself and sees himself as a 
a future in in coaching. I think he's done a very good. He's him and Brian Graham have done very good jobs so far with the girls. Definitely, yeah, you, you can see that, and you you look at the interviews and you see the enthusiasm that they have for uh, coaching uh, uh, the women's team, and the, the fact that they've got a great, great they've got a great set up there, they've got a great squad, and they're excited to make something of it. That you know, it is their team that they're putting their stamp on it, as you say, and like you can you can see the enthusiasm for it there, um, definitely. And I think with the two re- uh, promotion spots up for grabs. You can see they want it. You can see that they've really came together and they're they're absolutely in the battle. And it definitely mean, it means everything. It's yeah. like, it's it's important promotion is obviously important and it's like it's the situations between the men's and women's team is it's quite clear. There's been a long shutdown. There's been an impetus on starting quickly to get momentum in order to bring themselves into contention. I made a note uh, before the cover, sort of summarising the the Muir game. They're going to be well aware of that. Foster, Doherty, and, and Graham will be very well aware of that because they were key players in doing that for the men's team, and they can. That's a situation I think that could be key for us because they've been in that situation where it's high pressure, lot of games in a short space of time, knowing when to hit your heights and when a sort of manage any sort of lulls in your performance, having that situation and that experience could be huge for us, how they can translate that into getting the girls um, motivated. Although I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. But no. given that sort of experience in that kind of high-pressure situation, like that could be massive for us because I don't know the backgrounds of these of the coaches in these other teams, and I'm not in any way saying, oh, these guys are better because of this. I can't think of anybody better to be learning from in that si- in that particular situation because the situations are very similar. Obviously, different from men's to women's football, you're dealing with it's a similar sort of mentality, a, a similar sort of situation on the pitch and off. And I, th- I think it stands us in good stead going forward. Definitely, and you look at it, like the team, like who you've got there, like Ricky Foster. I mean, if you look at like the men's team, Senna and Kieran Wright have both mentioned a lot about how much Ricky Foster is, you know, guides the team and is a they, they feed off Foster, and he gives them advice, and he he really has slipped into that. You know, I mean, the veteran. Yeah, you've got you've got a veteran guy who's won several trophies in his career who's taking time uh, while playing to take a d- to do a degree I guess in psychology so like, again yeah. that's something that you're going that to me suggests he's going to be a good I hate to fucking use the term man manager but like that it's, it's about psychology and how you deal with your squad and how you motivate your players and having that sort of psychology there should be huge for the girls. I think it's of that, I've no doubt. Definitely. And uh, looking forward, uh, we play Kilmarnock on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Kilmarnock on Sunday um, at home. And then we play Hamilton Ackies on Wednesday. And that, that Hamilton Ackies game is the two more, game. Two very crucial games. Uh, getting a result against Kelly will be vitally important uh, ahead of 
uh, that game against Hamilton, you, again, the games are coming thick and fast, uh, and we're playing a side who are going to be who are in the mix uh, next. So winning is vital on Sunday against Kilmarnock. Uh, then the Hamilton game, you take that when it comes, because you can only focus on the, what, the next game. It's all good saying, oh, yeah, we need to be ready for both of them, but in, unless we... We need to do something against Kilmarnock first, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's one game at a time, and you can see that in the interviews that they're, they're absolutely yeah, like, one game at a time. I, I don't know too much about Kilmarnock, but I do know that my mate is on the coaching staff there, mm-hmm. so I imagine he'll be very well aware of the, the situation ahead of them, uh, trying to derail us. If, I don't think they're in any contention, but no. being a spoiler will be a good thing for them for sure. You want to be the kingmaker or queenmaker, I suppose, in this case. But um, yeah, yeah, you want to I be that uh, But definitely with Hamilton, uh, with the game on Wednesday, I mean, I said I want to see them on Sunday. Uh, they won 5 0. Queen's Park probably unlucky to get a goal. I totally collapsed in the last half hour because they were just tired. They tried to get the game postponed because they hadn't trained. I think there there is encouragement that you can get behind them. Uh, you can, there are spaces you can get in to, to get goals. And I think that's, you know, certainly something to take encouragement for. Their, their front line is, it's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. Their front line is great. It's going to be a real tough battle. But I think if we can win that, that's, that is the flag planted in the ground to say, uh-huh. yeah. you know, it take us Cause we've played Dundee United in the last game of the season. It's going to, it's going to be a white knuckle ride. But I think yeah. Hamilton, they need that game. They need that game to win it, to kind of put it in. Uh, Put, keep themselves in contention because I think if they lose that I believe they did play Dundee United straight after or like either the week after or before they have them both quite close to each other and like at that point if you're losing the Fisher one and the Dundee United one that's you out but I think a lot of people tipped Hamilton to be the other promotion place but that's mm. going to be that is a cup final yeah definitely yeah, it seems very very um, very thistle indeed that the men's and women's teams find themselves in these very, very similar situations in this very, very weird um, season that we are having uh, amidst the pandemic hellscape. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we'll be back next week uh, to have a look at the Command and Hamilton games. Um, thanks again, Mark. And no yeah, uh, on the Jags. back very soon for group c we've got two more groups to go so make sure you stay tuned for them enjoy the euros wherever you're going to watch them stay safe wear a mask and buy a season ticket